before the end of the season, we're going to firmly establish whether that was seven or eight for Josh Kennedy back in uh, that game in 2022. Josh joins us on the show to talk about the the injury situation at West Coast, I guess, more than anything else. We might have to check to see whether he's playing or not this weekend, making the trip to Adelaide. Josh, welcome. Uh, Good morning, Duff. How are you? I'm good, mate. Um, What do you make of it all? Can you believe the number of injuries again? Yeah, I know it's um, yeah, it's very, it's just very disappointing, and and and, and being able to uh, watch, I suppose, a lot of the players go down, and um, you know, obviously seeing Yoey come off, uh, and I believe he's hurt his groin, um, which is no good. He's obviously had a lot of groin issues in the past, and um, but yeah, and then Elijah Hewitt, especially the one from the Waffle, where we saw in the first bounce roll his ankle. Now I'm not too sure what the scans have come back with, but um, but he didn't play any part in, in the rest of that Waffle game. So to have yeah, some more injuries stack up this week. Yeah, it's um, it's making it very tough for I suppose West Coast to be able to put towards a um, yeah, a, a senior side and then also yeah, a healthy side. You saw this happen last year with the combination of COVID and injury. What does it do inside the four walls of the club? Like, how dispiriting does it get? Yeah, look, well, it, it's um. I suppose or last year and this year are completely different. Now you've got injuries that happen to your to your list um, every year, and yeah, we've had I suppose the similar part with that, but a completely different side, um, completely different object, object, objective. Sorry, um, and uh, and what the group are trying to establish themselves this year compared to last year. So, but um, but yeah, inside the walls, it does get a bit flattening. It, it probably gets to a point where you start to laugh at it a bit because you just can't believe that it's happening. So, um, but you know, it, it does give give the younger guys uh, a chance to actually have a crack when maybe the opportunity wouldn't be there. And um, the guys who are injured, especially the senior guys, you know, they're, they're not just sitting there trying to get right. They'll be doing everything they can to, to help this mid tier. Uh, kind of the material of the list and also these younger players come through um, outside uh, yeah, to the other side of, of all this and um, be better players. So does it get to a point where players start to worry about getting injured, not because they're worried about getting hurt, but because but they're worried about the consequences to the coming weeks? And does that affect the way you play or the um, your ability to extend yourself, I guess, and be flat out, which you absolutely need to be to play at AFL level? Uh, I don't think on game day. I, I think you probably do start to adjust maybe in training. Um, and it would be interesting to see um, whether the sports science staff start to, uh, I suppose, uh, modify drills in a certain way just to make sure that um, you can still get the best out of what you want to do and what you want to do on, on field um, that week um, in a strategic sense. But um, but also, I suppose, minimise a bit of that impact that, that can happen in training and, and try and obviously save for the game. There's I don't think I've seen any player um, when a team's in this position go out on game day and, and pull back just because they don't want to get injured. Um, you probably start to really hone in on, on your recovery sense and, and also um, the way you go about at training to, to one, be able to get the best out of yourself and, and get that practice in, um, but then also making sure that you're, you're fit and healthy um, every week because, yeah, it's, uh, you can't have too many more go down um, this year. This year. And does it get to a point, do you think, from a club perspective, where durability or projected durability has to be a massive factor in list management decisions? I guess um, the Eagles have been strong on this, and, and I think they're right to be strong on this, that you need experience around the younger players when you're doing a list rebuild. But 
should those list management decisions be based on, okay, is this guy going to be durable? Is he going to be out there to, to help our, our, our young guys develop and, and be able to coach them on the field? Yeah, well, definitely. That, that, there'd definitely be a lot of discussions based around that. And, um, and you know, in terms of uh, mismanagement, future kind of planning, um, extended contracts, and, and all those things probably do come into play. And um, once you get a little bit older, and if you haven't shown that durability, yeah, there, there, there definitely would be a sense of, um, you know, the, the only one-year contract, so to speak. And um, that's just, uh, I suppose, playing it a little bit smarter um, as a mismanagement team. And those discussions would happen but um but yeah there, there definitely is um definitely is room for, for senior players still being on the list to help guide these younger uh guys come through as you transition the list um and just to i suppose get them in a better position a lot earlier than um yeah, than, than not having him there Josh, what did you see against Geelong at the weekend? There was a very bright start and and they were clearly up for it and then they just got absolutely blown off the park and then kind of battled on pretty manfully. What did you see in terms of upside and downside for them? Yeah, well, it, was, it definitely was another game of, um, you know, it was very hard to watch at some stages, but you take a lot of positives out, especially with the list that's, um, that's playing at the moment, the injuries that are there. So that, that start was, was fantastic. You know, they were dominant. They're there up for the fight, um, obviously up until, yeah, probably that 10, 15 minute mark. And um, as good sides do, and, and we saw it with Geelong, I suppose, last week again, Hawthorne in that last half, just absolutely turned it on. And they're able to keep 12 unanswered goals, which is not something you want. And to be able to, I suppose, control uh, that bleeding was, was, was a little bit difficult. Um, uh, but then you go to the back end of uh, end of the game, and from being 77 points down and to claw it back to 47, you know it was um, it was very good, especially having a, a side um, that is so young, inexperienced, and seeing the resilience that they have shown and they've shown in previous games. Um, yeah, it was 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 definitely great to see. So you took a, a lot out of that. You didn't feel like Geelong took their foot off the pedal a bit. Um, no, no. You can see that the fight was there, and you can you can see the, uh, a little bit of frustration, I suppose, um, from Geelong at certain times. Um, you know, the, the inside fifty count. There was a lot of supply going towards um, uh, towards Geelong, but uh, West Coast still managed to just get under fifty inside fifties, which which is which is great. You know, previous years, if that was the case in certain games like this. Um, yeah, you you'd probably only see 30 inside 50. So um, I think West Coast turnover game was pretty good uh, early on. Radically, I had about six intercept marks, which was um, is going for a record. And um, I suppose that was a little bit of that that football uh, moving forward from West Coast. But um, the intercepts end up changing, and, and I think the turnover game was was, was kind of won you know, in the end by um, uh, by West Coast. But yeah, it's um, to see them in that last last half. I think that's where you take your positives out of it, and the fight was still there, especially from a, a real young list. The turnover game, you're right, did work West Coast way after halftime. It was the stoppage game where they got murdered, wasn't it? I think, I yeah. think at that one stage it was eight three to one point in terms of scores yeah. for the stoppage. So that is that just a case of having younger, smaller bodies in there? Um, and I guess unfortunately we saw Alec Yo go in there and strengthen them in that area, but then has come up sore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, I suppose, always the, the risk with, with Yoey and, and, and the limited pre-season he's had and coming back in and, and obviously the previous weeks, you know, seeing how he played back and, and, and not force him into the midfield. But that change had to get made and um, and now he's a little bit sore, which um, which does suck. But, um, 
But yeah, the, the clearances um, and I suppose the contested possession. We're um, just seeing, I suppose, when uh, West Coast are good, uh, they're, they're really good. Uh, but when they're bad, it's, it's, it, it can really struggle on getting that um, position of the footy um, moving into their forward half. But you know, you miss you missing caliber of Luke Shuey and Nick Nanui and these guys and, and, and that younger list. Um, yeah, have, have struggled, I suppose, with those clearances around the ground. One thing that was a hallmark of the teams that you were a star in back in 2018, 2019 in particular was the ability to create leading lanes. And I'm wondering, you talked about Radigalia's intercepts in the first quarter, and you're right, it was up to six or seven. Is that about where the player kicks it to or is it about where the forward leads to or is it a combination of both of those things? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a combination of, of, of both, you know. Um, transition of footy, especially when it's coming quick, um, you know, and uh, it has been kind of going back and forth. You talk about, you know, intercept and back, getting intercept and back. It, it does cause a, cause a bit of chaos, I suppose, on the field. And, and sometimes that pressure does build. And um, just being able to have that composure to lower the eyes in terms of those leading lanes. But, um, you know, you do get risk when you have, um, you know, great defenders and great teams who have a, a fantastic back system, back six and system, and um, it does fall into their hands a few times. And I think they adjusted, West Coast adjusted early. There was a, it was a noticeable, um, I suppose, difference in the in the way they started to move the footy, especially when Radiglia had those uh, those six intercept marks. So, um, but it, it is, I think it's a combination of stuff. Sometimes, you know, as a forward, you're sitting there and looking at yeah. Uh, so he's a man, he's playing proactive, he's in a position um, and he's coming out to help and you kind of think, no, 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 he'll be right, he won't get it there. But that little bit of pressure up the field and that ball just skews off just that little bit um, where you don't want it and he takes those marks and can get quite frustrating as a forward. Who was your favourite forward, to, uh, who was your favourite midfielder to lead to when you were playing um, primary power forward at West Coast, Josh? Oh, I probably had probably had a couple. If you talk about midfield, Daniel Kerr and Luke Shuey are probably the two best that um that I've ever had. I suppose up the field for me, and um, you probably chuck Marley Cryer in there, but you I wouldn't wouldn't count him as a midfield. He's definitely a forward. He's a seagull at the back, so we won't give him that <laughs> midfield status. And who was the one you led to with a bit of dread? You thought, oh my god, this could go anywhere. <laughs> you put me on the spot. You know what the worst was? The worst was when uh, there was a free kick in the centre, and Nick Nat had to had to take it. And you just hope that he'd give a handball off the boots or someone. But <laughs> no, he wanted to take that kick, and that kick would be a nine iron straight up, uh, straight up in the air. So he's, he's probably one that, um, yeah, he probably yeah, he, he knew he was going to hit the ground somewhere. Jake Waterman continues his development and progression as a player. Another great game on the weekend. Probably, I think, of all of them, probably his best game. What have you made of him? The interesting thing, Josh, is that when you have great forwards, and West Coast have had great forwards, they've had yourself and Jack Darling's been a very good second forward, it kind of squeezes Oscar Allen into other roles and it squeezes a, a young developing player like Jake Waterman out a little bit. So how pleased are you for him that he's been able to do what he's been able to do so far? Oh man, it's been fantastic. It's just great to see. You know, I've um, been lucky enough to play a lot of footy with Jake and see him come in as a young kid and, and grow to the player he is today. And, and obviously, the role that um, he's been in over the last few years while I've been there has been a lot higher up the ground and in you know wing role, in a you know helping out the backs and and kind of that half forward role. And he is he's grown up as a forward. Um, when he goes back and played the waffle, he's always been a forward. And you've seen, um, I suppose, the caliber that he has been able to kick goals and, and take you know good contested marks. And um, I suppose you're talking about those leading lanes. He's he's one of the best on the lead. So. 
yeah, to see him fit into, I suppose, more of a, a, a forward, deeper forward kind of role, it's been fantastic to see. And, um, yeah, we are obviously seeing, seeing him be able to mark and kick goals now, which is, um, you know, which has always been there for him. He just hasn't probably had that opportunity. So, um, hopefully he can keep that consistency up. Um, and obviously playing as that third tall and, and being able to, one, be up as a connector um, to get the ball inside 50, but having those opportunities inside 450 where he's one out um, because he's pretty good on the lead. They're, they're okay for the centre, aren't they? If you're looking for green shoots and you're looking for light at the end of the tunnel in this, the fact that Oscar Allen and Jake Waterman kick four each, that Oscar Allen's consistently hit the scoreboard in his you know his early games back from injury, that... I'm a great believer in bone structure in in teams, and and West Coast are a fair way down the track to re-establishing bone structure with with that going on. Yeah, you know, it's it's been great to see. You know, um, you know, as as a team in West Coast over many years, but we've always been pretty efficient, I think, and we've we've had limited supply, but still been able to kick a winning score over the years, and um, having, I suppose, uh, see Oscar do what he's been doing, and the opportunities that he's creating, and um, sometimes as a tall forward, you know, there might be limited opportunities, especially in a marking position, but you can still get you know, three or four shots on goal. But to see him, you know, having his marks up around seven, eight, um, and then also kicking those, you know, two to four goals has is, is been fantastic because he's putting himself in, in the right position. Um, and then obviously JD's been, been doing well and hasn't hit the scoreboard. He had a limited pre-season and, and I think he had about seven weeks off over that pre-season. So um, as he's still coming into the season, he's still adjusting, I suppose, to the, to the, to the game kind of play. Um, but it's been great to see those three work really well together. Obviously, we're missing Ryan and Cripps. Um, you know, it'd be great to have those guys out there. Um, but uh, Noah Long has been, I think, been fantastic. The, you know, opportunity on goal hasn't been there that much, but what he's creating for himself and also the team, um, especially as a small forward, it's it's been really good to see. And he's, he looks pretty clean, especially when he's around the contest, which is which is something that, um, that I love seeing. He's very neat and poised, isn't he? Like, if he's got 0.7 yeah. seconds to spend, he spends 0.68 <laughs> of it, and then uh, he's able to get the ball off. Well, well, it's it's true. You can't teach that, I think, in, in an AFL player. They either have that or they don't. And, and yeah, he seems yeah. to have it's that. So- yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You see a lot of the younger kids come through and, um, you know, a lot of the time uh, there is elevated pressure. The game is a lot quicker to what they're used to. Um, even from training into an AFL game, you know, you can you definitely feel the difference. And, um, yeah, to see him have that composure and be clean, um, you know, it's great because he'll just keep building on that. Uh, he'll get a lot smarter. Uh, he'll get a lot more poised, which he already is. And then um, being clean from the start, um, yeah, he obviously works on his craft. One last one, Josh, before I let you go. The Eagles waffle model. I know that you know the, they had to dissolve the partnership with East Perth. It was sort of like wasn't quite working for either party, but I get the feeling it worked considerably better than this. I know it's hard to partner up with an established waffle club, but does the current model work? And are you concerned for the development of younger players as a result of playing in very weak teams and, and getting hammerings from other waffle clubs? Yeah, look, it's a bit of a trade-off, I think, from from that sense. And um, there's a few restrictions on obviously having West Coast um, have their own team and um, obviously finding it hard to to get, I suppose, those outside players um, that are dominant at that waffle level. Um, But, you know, the positive is that uh, the, the kids are 
always using the same terminology, always um, doing the same, I suppose, style of play, um, the same training, and it just keeps that consistency on trying to upskill on uh, making sure they are ready. But, yeah, it's, it is a bit of a trade-off. I, I'm a massive believer on having your own team. Um, and being able to, you know, have the same messages that go through, have have your kids play in the position that you want to play them at, at AFL level, um, and also, yeah, seeing them, um, I suppose, like I said, the same messaging and come through. It's that's the biggest positive out of it. But yeah, it's um, the injury list hasn't helped with all this as well. So yeah, having a lot of guys out who um, have drawn a lot of the players up. Um, doesn't help with, with what's going on. There's always fear from the other Waffle Clubs, isn't there, that uh, a, an AFL team or an AFL-aligned team will dominate the competition if they give them too much. Does Do the yep. Eagles need more concessions to be more consistently competitive, do you think? Yeah, well, yeah, well, that, that's that's been, the, I suppose, the trade-off with it, the restrictions and the access they do to to, to one, I suppose, target players to come over, and, and you, you see, I suppose, the peel alignment with with Fremantle and um, them just being able to hold on to a lot of their local talent, uh, a lot of guys that have played. Um, consistent waffle over many years and then having that top up from um, obviously some AFL players, they have been able to win a few flags over the last few years and also be, I suppose, in those final contentions. So, um, yeah, it would be nice, but it is, it's a it's a different time for the waffle and I, I understand that it's a, a complete different change and, um, you know, a lot of fans in the history of there um, obviously don't want it, but yeah, I think that um, it's really important for, I suppose, that AFL level. Um, but yeah, there needs to be a trade off to make sure that it is fair and, and competitive at, at, at waffle level um, and that, you know, an AFL team who has their own list or side doesn't dominate um, completely every year. So um, I think they'll work it out in the end. It just might take yeah a little bit of time and going through this process. You want them sort of somewhere between four and seven, don't you? On the uh, ideally, yeah. you know what I mean. Like you can't fabricate that, but but if you're looking for ideally, then that's where you want them, and that's about where Peel has been since they won those two flags. I think in 2016 and 2017. That's about right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And they, like you said, they've been able to have that consistency on being able to have, um, I suppose, waffle players that have won either local and have gone through the development ranks and been able to play, um, you know, at that consistent level at waffle. And, yeah, um, yeah it'd, it'd be nice to have a few more concessions, I suppose, on being able to draft or um, uh, not so much poach, but be able to offer, I suppose, contracts to, to waffle players to be able to come over and whether it's a point system or whatever, I'm not too sure. It's, it's, it's way above my pay grade. I would have no idea how to handle that. But I assume that through this transition period of since we've um, incepted, have, have the Waffle team come in, um, it will keep moving along and uh, it will get to a point, I think, in future years where it will work um, for the Waffle and the AFL. Josh Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Uh, always a pleasure to have you share your thoughts with us about how things are going at West Coast, and I hope your boots are still hanging around somewhere, mate, because you might get a phone call this week. <laughs> I've got to go find them, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you think about what Josh has had to say? The temperate bedshed text line is 0487 736 736, or call us on the open line on 13 12 55. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SEN.